we're going we're going serious, sober-minded, really serious stuff this morning. But um, you know, it's when we start talking about the spirit world and the spiritual realm and the things that uh, uh, really are unseen that affect the things that are seen. It's um, a serious, sobering subject, and and one that I think um, does not get a lot of play um, these days in the postmodern. Christian world we live in, uh, most people are either ignorant of it or they just avoid the subject altogether, and it needs to be addressed, it needs to be discussed, it needs to be meditated upon, it's real, and if people uh, ignore it, they're only going to get hurt, and especially for Christians, and so I thought I would take a few weeks here to really dive deep into the spiritual world and what's really going on, there's some insight here to may not have ever seen, which we'll talk about over the course of the next few weeks. Now, some of this stuff's going to be very familiar with, with you, but, but when you start digging deeper, all of a sudden you go, hmm, I never thought of it that way. So may the Lord give us what I would consider a study that would make us aware of what's going on, what's really going on, would make us um, careful in our walk with God. You know, everybody here is a soldier for Jesus Christ. We're in a war every day. Whether we believe that, accept it, uh, understand it, we're in a war. And if we're not careful, we're going to get wounded. We can get put out of, out of the field and no, no longer useful for God. So it's really an important subject. And, you know, we sing the song, Onward Christian Soldiers, Marching as to War. And then it says, you know, going, you know with the cross going on before us. And, um, you know, in Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the captain of our salvation. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And, and we gotta, we got to realize and recognize what that means. Now, because it's a spiritual battle, we need to be prepared spiritually. Spiritual weapons, spiritual warfare requires resources and spiritual weapons. And, and that's I'll hopefully shed some light through this study uh, to help you kind of get some gain some insight if you're not aware of this stuff but it's just something we should be thinking about and not many people are willing to talk about it these days for whatever reason and um, so what we're going to do is we're going to pull back the curtain a little bit now probably not as much today as we will next week I'm going to pull back the curtain on what's really going on um, you ever wonder why and I hear this all the time from folks and Folks in this room, folks outside, folks that aren't saved. So how in the world did we get into this shape in our country so fast? And, you know, how did things get so ugly so fast? You know, the nation that forgets God shall turn, be turned into hell. And literally, it's like we've, we've unleashed the spirits, the demonic spirits, and, th and, and we're talking about things that were, are so radically unreasonable and illogical, but yet it's up for debate. It should never be up for debate. Gender identity and things of that, abortion, and but it's widespread, and you go, well, there's so much chaos and so much confusion, and, and there's apostasy, and there's deception widespread, and false religions growing in leaps and bounds, and then you add to that violence. Everywhere you look, there's violence. It's almost like they're setting it up, and you ask yourself, well, why is all this happening? Well, you've got to go back. The answer is it originates in the spirit world. 
in the spiritual realm, and it translates itself into the physical realm. So a lot of the answers, we may not understand it, but something's happening that we can't see that translates in the physical world. When you got people arguing about gender and kids mutilating their bodies at age 13 and 14 and 15 and parents that are not being told about these things, you, you, can, you can be assured that comes from the spirit world and the battles that are going on. And I will say this, really God's people are moving away from God. They're moving away from truth, which is apostasy. And we're going to eventually tie this into apostasy and deception, which is preparing the world for something. But when God's people move away from truth, if it's fixed and they move away from truth, the decay begins to accelerate. So when you see things accelerating in a, in a bad way, in a, a doom and gloom type of way, it's because God's people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And they're not... They're not receiving truth and living the truth. And so decay starts them. I mean, Jesus said, if the salt loses its saltiness, then what happens? Decay. So the decay, this acceleration of decay is caused because God's people are not following God. It's because they're in a battle and they don't recognize it and they're getting hurt. You know, this idea of reprobate. Now, this term gets thrown around, and, but in Scripture, it's really important to understand in Romans 1. The Bible says God gave them up, God gave them up, and then he said God gave them over. To what? To to reprobate mind, to do the things which are not convenient. What does he give them over to, though? Satanic forces, spirit things, things that cause deception to make them believe the lie or what they believe is true. It's a dangerous position to be in for anybody to reject God's truth, and then to receive a a lie. And so God gives them over. I believe our nation is moving in that direction. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Let me give you an example. In 2015 in Georgia, we saw these little things coming in and out of our house downstairs. Like a little, there's a little uh, crack, not much bigger than like one of those slivers. And those things were bats flying in and out of that thing. It's probably about space of that big flying in and out. I said, oh, you know, we hear about bats and, and how much trouble they give you in Georgia. So, so well, we got a problem because there's a lot of them going in and out. You could hear them. You could hear them at night. And I said, and Eileen, you know, she's not going to have this for one minute. She's like, you got to get rid of those bats now. So I called the critter man. He, no, it was really what it's the critter guy. He comes out and I said, dude, you got to just get these things, kill them, take them out. Whoa, 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 time out. He said, first of all, you can't touch any bats. You cannot harm a bat. They're a federally protected species. Wait, it gets better. He says, and you're very fortunate that the mating season just ended because you can't touch them in your house until the mating season's done. So you have to let them have their babies, and then you have to gently remove them from the house. But you can't do that until the mating season's over because you've got to protect the babies. It's a $20,000 fine for every incident of killing a bat. This is no, this is, look it up, read it. And then it's a, it can, you can be held criminally liable for killing a bat. Now this is what reprobate is. When you're protecting a bat, 
and it's babies, but you can kill a child up to birth now, like in Wisconsin, that's reprobate. That's not in the physical realm. That did not originate in the, it originated in the spirit realm. Satanic forces are at full work in turning everything that is right and good and beauty and upside down. For the, and you'll get to understand why the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's having his way because God gave them over. Listen, that story about bat is bats crazy. It literally is. When I think about we're protecting bats over, and that's, that, get, that leads me to believe we've, we've reached that point now in our country. And it's frustrating, but we got to be careful of all the doom and gloom because we can get sucked into that and caught up in it, and it keeps us, keeps us away from our focus on what the real mission is on Christ. We get caught up in all the news and the politics and the divide, division, and we begin to hate, and then we begin to divide, and then we, and, and the next thing you know, we're caught up in that, and we're not looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, the captain of our salvation. We get sucked up into that war because that's what the spirits want, the, the, the evil spirits want you to be so distracted that you can't look at Christ. You can't pray, you can't read, you, you're... Your mind is always worried about what's going on, but that's not how it is. The Christian rises above all that darkness and has true joy and true peace with Christ. Well, people will ask, is there going to be a revival in our day? Well, you know, if you look at it now, you'd say it's absolutely not going to happen. But God always takes chaos and brings order out of it. So in, I learned that from Genesis 1. Genesis 1 the earth was without form and void and darkness covered. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God took what was chaotic and he brought forth order. So he can do this. In, in the book of Revelation, talking about the tribulation period, that last three and a half years, the great tribulation, Jesus' own words, a time of trouble that never was nor will ever be again. The, the populations will be dwindled down to nothing because of the judgments. Now, he says that, but in the midst of it, there's a great awakening, a revival like nothing we've ever read in Scripture that says that a multitude which no man could number comes out of, out of this great tribulation, birthed into the family of God. So God takes something that's a horrific event and saves a multitude of people. So revival can happen. But I, what I've learned, for revival to happen, it's got to be preceded by brokenness. Typically, man does not break himself. He needs God to break them. Break, and we talked about that through pride. And brokenness often is associated with what? Suffering. For, I think if the country's going to see any revival, or the churches are going to see revival, it's going to come with suffering. Now, I know that's really positive news this morning. That's the reality of a world we live in. The, the good news for every believer is you have a home waiting for you. No matter what happens in the battle, you have a home. If you're saved, born again, you got a home. Jesus Christ is your captain. He's promised you eternal life. You don't have to worry about what's going on in this world because this world is not our home. We're just passing through. So onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war. And I'm not trying to preach here. But I can't help it <laughs> on this subject. But 
now it's time to get into the more uh, the teaching aspect of this the spirit realm translating to the physical realm now, everybody here that's been around a while knows this verse but this is a deeper verse than you think when you we quote it so much that I'm, I always wonder if we're numb to it. Oh, yeah, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know. What does that really mean? That means we wrestle not against the physical. The world that, when you're getting in a battle and a fight with another believer or an uh, argument with someone, you're not battling physically. You're battling something spiritually that originated. Now, look at what he says. Now, I believe Paul's got a lot in his mind when he's writing this through the Spirit. Uh, and especially when we get into the book of Daniel. But he says, against, against principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness. What is all that? Principalities, and this is, these are terms I looked up, is a state ruled by a prince. So do you think the United States is just ruled by Biden and his administration? Or do you think it's ruled by something behind the scenes? Power, someone who possesses the authority to rule. Now these are, he's telling you that this is not happening in the physical. These things, principalities and powers, are in the spiritual realm. He says rulers, these are positions given to individuals to rule over others. Spiritual wickedness, hierarchy of evil. There's a reason why Satan is called the God of this world. Small g. He's the God of this world. Why? Because God has given him reign over it. You say, I don't, I don't believe that. You'll believe it when you see the scripture. Because Jesus attests to it. You'll see that. The God of this world is why he says, love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because why? Because it's the God of this world that operates this world. And that's why you're seeing what you're seeing unfold at a faster rate because he's preparing to show up on the scene. It's coming. The world is ripe for the taking now. I mean, COVID was a perfect example of sheep lining up to do whatever they're told to do. You know what, what stopped that from happening? conservative, logical, reasonable, and Christians said this is ridiculous, and they stood up against it. But look at how they were treated. Fired. They were lost a job. They were ostracized by their own government. Brandished. It's just a, it's a appetizer of what's coming because the satanic forces are moving in ways now and setting this all up for the coming king, who's not the king of kings, the Lord, but the kingdom of the world, the God of this world, will manifest himself in the flesh, just like Jesus manifested himself in the flesh. I know that's a little deep for some, but that's what's preparing the world. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So, why are we, if we're wrestling in this war, in this battle, we're told to stand. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're told to stand four times. Why? Two reasons. Wiles of the devil and the fiery darts of the wicked one. So, to, wiles means trickery, the deceptions. The ma I mean, you've got to think about Satan having 6,000 years to study man. He knows how to manipulate. 
and deceive even the best of Christians. And we're warned here in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober. That's why this is a subject that's very sober. It's not, it's, it's not a feel-good subject. It's actually, some, it frightens people. Maybe that's why people aren't talking about it, because it, it, it puts fear in them, like what's really going on. But maybe we need a good dose of fear so that we begin to realize, like, this war is real. And Christians are being wounded and taken out of the battle. Be vigilant, you know, be, be aware and on guard, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lichen, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, the only reason you're standing here and you haven't been devoured is because God said so. Now, if God removes the hedge, about removes it for whatever reason, then that's what takes place. And you pray that God never does that like he did with Job. Just recently, uh, I got a letter because I've worked with a, a missions board and another soldier's coming off the field. Now, I know this soldier personally. He was a young man. He got married. He went to school, Christian school. He, got, he had two kids with his wife. They spent two and a half years on the field for deputy or for deputation to gather their support. They got out to the country they were called to go. And I just got word he's coming off the field because of moral, personal sin. Now, I'm praying that he gets, uh, he gets restored. Whatever happened, I don't know the details, don't want to know the details, but I, I thought about this verse. That soldier got wounded because he didn't take the battle serious enough, and he got caught doing whatever he was doing, and now he's, he's ruined his testimony, his family's at risk now, the, test, the, 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 the mission work. Think about the impact that has. Where do you think that originated from? Do you think Satan wanted him there? He was under attack from day one, and when he got out there, he found, he found a, a, a target on him. He knew how to get him. So something was lacking spiritual with his spiritual weapons that caused him to get hurt and made the Lord restore him so he can be used in ministry down the road. Because he's not out of it, but he's certainly going to leave a trail of scars. So I, found, I was looking through the old archives and I found a picture of Pastor Bill. Right there. Does that, that look like him, Kathy? On his day off, is that what he does? Walks around the yard. <laughs> so, we're in a battle, spiritual battle, with spiritual weapons. We're told to stand. How do we stand? Well, that's, that's told by us in Ephesians 6. We're to put on the whole armor of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're told that our weapons are not carnal. Our weapons are spiritual, and um, I, I think the Bible says that our weapons are not carnal, and through the power or through the power of God, pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations. What that's telling me that in the spirit world we can be greatly influenced here in our mind, which eventually makes its way to its heart, the heart. And so the spirit world often works with the mind first and then to the, and to the heart, to get to the heart. And so the, the influence 
is great. And we've got to know when that influence is coming our way in our thought process and be able to cast it down because anything that exalts itself above the word of God and above Jesus Christ is needs to be cast down. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So these spiritual weapons um, are found here in the armor of God. And just in a summary, it's the word of God. It's faith. It's, it's learning to be a testimony and a witness. It's assurance of salvation. It's living right. It's having truth, you know, guiding you and, and, and prospering you. And there are seven pieces of that armor because God works in sevens as completion. Now, what's interesting is he lists six pieces of the armor, but he never lists a seventh. That's because the soldiers listed in Ephesians 6 is on its knees praying. When he concludes the armor, he says, praying always with all prayer, which tells me that the completion of the armor is prayer. If, if a Christian doesn't have a prayer life, they don't have a prayer. You need prayer to wrap everything together for God. That, you know what prayer is? It's, it's depending on God. You know what real faith is? Real faith is depending on God. You know what sin is? It's whatever's not a faith. Whatever's not depending on God is sin. Think about that for a minute. So whatever's not depending on God is sin. Whatever depends on God is faith. And so this soldier is both offensive and defensive. For example, the sword is can mostly be offensive, but the, the shield is defensive. And faith, where do we get faith? The Word of God. They work together. And so we see that these are, these are spiritual weapons and resources given to us. So if we, we tend to put the Word of God aside in our life, we just kind of wait for Sunday, you're, you're going to struggle. The week's got to have a battle prepared for you. You need the Word of God. And you need prayer, and you, and you need ser, uh, service and ministry. And God puts all this together to keep us equipped from being wounded in the battle. So the devil operates in the air. According, the Bible says, Ephesians 2, verse 2, according to the prince of the power. There's that word prince again. Prince of the power of the air. Here's something interesting. Now, take this for what it's worth. I'm not saying this in a dogmatic way, but if you read Genesis chapter 1, you have six days of creation. Five of those six days, God says, he repeats this, and it was good. You ever read that in Genesis 1? And the first day, you know, created the light, and he said, and God said, it was good. But he gets to the second day. And he takes the firmament, this body of water, and he separates the water. He creates the water above the firmament and, a, and, of course, the bodies of water on the earth. Now, the earth's still in the body of water, but he separates the two to create air, which makes it ha ha habitable, to, a bowl, habitable. But he never says on the second day, and it was good. Five out of the six days, he says, and it was good. But on the second day, when the earth became habitable, habitable, living space, he didn't say it was good. Why? Maybe the prince and the power of the air entered in. Now, I know he made a general conclusion and everything God did was good. That's true. But that, there's something about the second day when he doesn't say it. And I think it's because Satan entered into the air and was beginning the work 
that he's been doing ever since. Take it for what it's worth. My, my opinion sometimes worth two cents, but there's just something there that, that, that has always caught my attention. So the mission of the devil is the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. Man, does that not describe our world today? But contrast this with the mission of Jesus Christ. And as believers, I have come that they may have life and they might have it more abundantly. Yet, yet I can read stat after stat about the misery of Christians today and the anxiety and, and, and the depression among and the divorce rate. And, and you just go on, the list goes on and you wonder, wait a minute, that's, that's contrary to what Jesus came to give. The believer rises above that and has life but has life abundantly. Every believer, yeah, there's not every, not every day's a joyful, happy, go lucky type of day. But every day for the believer is a day in Christ that they should just acknowledge that man, they've got peace, they got joy, they got power, they got strength. Man, we got something the world doesn't have. And so we 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 should rise above all that because the world is in this other area of stealing killing and destroying or being killed or destroyed man this is what's going on so how does the devil still steal kill and destroy so in Matthew 13 when they talk about Jesus talking about the parable of the sower he says when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not then cometh the wicked one and does what now wait a minute that's not in the physical realm that's in the spiritual realm. So the word of God is being preached by whoever, and it's sitting on their heart. The seed is sitting on their heart, ready to penetrate their, the, the person, and, and, and they harden their heart. They reject it. And then the wicked one comes and catches it away. So it's never sown in his heart, so it ends up bearing fruit. Now, that's true for unbelievers, right? But for believers, how many times has God present something to you and to me and he plants that seed he's ready to plant it to teach you to help you to grow you edify you strengthen you convict you all and it sits there and then the wicked one pulls it away because we never give it time to root you know why because we walk outside after hearing the word and our whole world is full of distractions all day, it's social media, it's news, it's politics, it's activities, it's sports, it's pleasures, it's entertainment. And this stuff's consuming us. And it squeezes the word of God out and never allows it to penetrate our hearts. And I know this is true for myself because I always pray, God, help me to meditate on what I heard on Sunday and Sunday night. But how many times have I heard some man, that was good. You've all experienced that, especially under the God's you know, preaching here with Pastor Bill, and you, you come out and say, man, it's good, and then a day goes by and say, hey, what, what did he preach on Sunday morning? <laughs> I can't remember what, sometimes I'll get to Sunday night, get through Sunday night, I can't remember what he preached on Sunday morning because I didn't let it come to, I didn't let it penetrate. And the wicked one can come, snatch it away, and we don't grow, we don't bear the fruit that God intended us with his word. That's how he steals, that's how he kills, and that's how he... Now, we know he's the, we've, we've quoted this earlier, he's the God of this world, and he blinds the minds of them which believe not. For anybody who's ever had to deal with lost people and 
you know, you start talking about Jesus Christ, the simplicity of salvation, the gift of God, eternal, and they look at you and they're just kind of like, you're out of your mind. I mean, this is just fantasy stuff. You know, we, Rose and Max and I were talking about last night about family members that just, they, they, they're just like a glare over them when you talk to them about the gospel. They're like, what are you talking about? Like they don't, it's, it's so foreign to them. Well, it's because they harden their heart, the seed won't penetrate, and the God of this world blinds them. Real stuff. It's a battle. So when we do have someone we lost, we pray for them that God would have mercy and remove the blindness that Satan has allowed in their minds. So with that, I'm going to give you some positive stuff here. Because... In light of all that we're talking about with the spiritual realm and the activity by uh, spirits and, and, and this hierarchy, and you'll learn this here in this study, there's a hierarchy of spiritual beings. And there's a war going on that's behind the scenes that no matter what happens and what's going on, God is always in control. It may look like that God doesn't care, and people will always tell you that. Well, if your God is really God, why does he allow that to happen? Boy, that's a loaded question, isn't it? And I always go back, how do I know about God's rule overall, besides Scripture's pretty clear on this, I go back to the book of Job. Everything operates under the permissive will of God. God will use evil and allow it to happen in ways that are profound to us, to judge. He will unleash evil. He doesn't create it. He doesn't instigate it. He just allows it to happen to bring forth judgment or to teach people to break them. And in the book of Job, very clearly, Job is a righteous man, living right, and Satan, now this is bizarre stuff, Satan appears before the throne of God with the sons of God. Now, these sons of God aren't the sons of God like children of God. These are the sons of God that rebelled with Satan, angelic beings that rebelled against God with Satan, and now they appear with Satan to carry out this work, this mission. And, they, and, the, and Satan appears before Job and says, the only reason that Job fears you is because you prosper him, you protect him, and you've blessed him. True, but it's not, because God's going to test, really this is about Satan and God. God's control over Satan is really what the book of Job's about. It's not about Job. It's about God having control over everything. And, and he's about to prove a point that he's actually the one who allows everything to happen, because God says, so, Satan goes, hey, Job fears you for no other reason than this, he said, then you can go ahead and take everything, but don't take his life. So what's happening there is Satan has to get permission by God to do what he needs to do. Now, there's some comfort in that. But it's also, when you think back in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul says, turn such a one over to Satan for what? The destruction of the flesh. So that he was telling the church body 
that the sin that was committed by this person is horrible. And he says, as a church, you ought to turn this one over to Satan for the destruction of flesh. Now, if God says, yeah, you, I'm going to turn him over, that boy is going to get whipped by Satan. But it comes under the permissive will of God. And that's important to understand. So God says to, to Satan and the sons of God, behold, all that he hath is in thy power. That's what he says to Satan. You have the power now to take care of business. And then no, nothing and nobody has an upper hand on God. Nobody. And you can take comfort in that as um, a child of God. And this is in the temptation, and this is only found in the book of Luke. The, these, this, this wording here is very important to watch. Devil taking him, Jesus, up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. How, that's, that's a spiritual thing. That just, I mean, he literally showed him all the kingdoms of the world. Jesus got to see all that. And look what happens. The devil said unto him, all this power. Remember, who gets, where does he get the power from? God. All this power I will give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. What? That is delivered unto, who delivered it to him? And then he says, and to whomsoever I will give it. Now, I'm not so sure about that. Jesus never refutes him, never contradicts him. He, he knows he's been, Satan has been leased out. God leased this thing out, and that's why he's the God of this world. So he has power, and he's got a hierarchy, and that's what we're going to cover next week. So I want you to look at this before we, we're not going to get into this. But Nebuchadnezzar, after he gets right with God, we studied this last week. When Nebuchadnezzar gets right with God, he makes this statement. And he, God, doeth according to his will, get it, in the army of heaven. Well, if there's an army, and there's an opposing view, there's an opposing army, number one. And number two, there's a hierarchy. That means there's spiritual beings that are ranked and have certain missions that are carried out in the unseen world that translate into the physical world. That hierarchy we'll talk about, and we'll see this unfold in the book of Daniel next week. It's bizarre, but here, the hierarchy, just like in our U.S. military, you see all the rankings that go from private all the way up to sergeant, or you got the officers that go from lieutenant all the way up to general or five-star general. So just like our military, ironically, there's a hierarchy in a military, the army of heaven. And that's why God says, take the armor of God serious. Because there's a battle going on for everything to destroy you, Christianity, so that God's testimony and God's people. Now, Satan will not win, but he's certainly wounding Christians everywhere. May that not be the case for any believer sitting here today. May God help us and have mercy upon us and give us the strength to live out with the spiritual weapons that he's given us. With that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this great truth that is... Uh, deep and difficult to understand because it is in an unseen world but we believe what the word of God says you've laid it out you've made it clear to us you've warned us you've you, you've 
told us to be sober, to be vigilant, to, be, to stand against the wiles of the devil. You've told us to put on the armor of God. You've told us our weapons are not carnal but spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations. You've given us what we need. May God, we heed that. Help us by the grace of God, according to your mercy, to live out this life as a soldier for Jesus Christ that we may finish well and we may cross the line and say that we have done what we were called to do for the glory of Jesus Christ. May you help, help us, Lord, as we, we follow you, the captain of our salvation. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.